0: podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
1: Swing at a blind drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did it. He got it! There we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High, yeah.
0: he died. He crushed it! It's a grand slam!
1: Swing and a miss, strike three, it's the Red Sox have won the world
0: championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast.
1: Can you believe it?
0: Here's your host, Terry Cushman.
1: Good evening, everyone. And welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and... Apple Podcasts and the link to the Apple Podcast feed is right above your video window you can click that, subscribe all of our shows are available Red Sox just wrapped up a three game set against the lowly Baltimore Orioles sweeping the set three games to one Big news of the weekend, though. Chris Sale could be lost until the 2021 season. We will be getting into that in the second half of the episode. I am Terry Cushman, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Clark. And tonight, uh, coming off the bench, Sam Greeman from WTP Sports. How are you, gentlemen?
0: Matt, how you doing bro? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, yeah, lot, lot to like I feel like in the, this weekend.
1: As far as on the field for sure and uh, before we get into it uh, Sam, I, I'll have you uh, just you know tell the audience your background and, and whatever and I, I also notice you're the president of the Ryan Brazier fan club. So I'm curious as to who you beat in that election.
0: Well, to start <laughs> off, um, I'm Sam. I'm from uh, Western Mass, uh, going to college at Boston University. Um, Dorm is just about 500 feet away from Fenway, and I go to basically every game I can. Uh, went to a few playoff games, um, and I'm a writer for WTPsports.com. Um, write a lot of baseball articles. Last one I wrote was why you should like the Reds and all the fire that they bring. So you can follow me on Twitter, samgreeman 13 and that's basically it for me. And as far as the fan club goes, <laughs> I feel like last year nobody was talking about how Ryan Brazier was quietly dominating, putting up a one six ERA, and had the first his first seven outings just. In the postseason were scoreless, so I started the Ryan Brazier fan club, and every time he comes in, it's Brazier time.
1: (laughs) There you go, and he uh, was the corresponding move this weekend for uh, Chris Sale, so he'll uh, hopefully kind of show us something, you know, as we go into the winter and decide what to do with this bullpen, so... Uh, getting right into uh, heroes and zeros, Matt, you're a little under the weather, but uh, I think you're a formidable uh, leadoff man, so go ahead. Who's your hero?
2: I appreciate that. Uh, not a real stretch here uh, since I am under the weather. I'll, I'll go with some easy picks here. First one, uh, as far as a hero goes, is is Rafael Devers. Uh, I mean, he's continuing to rake what he's doing this season is, is nothing short of impressive. Um, you know, he went 7 for 13 in the series, had four runs, scored two home runs, seven RBIs, hitting at a uh, almost a 540 clip. So, I mean, in, in doing so uh, tonight, uh, he, he, or uh, earlier today, I should say, uh, he became the first major league player uh, in 2019 to hit the 100 RBI mark. Um, and his 76 extra base hits in 2019. Uh, that's the second most uh, through 127 games of any uh, Red Sox. I think Jimmy Fox is the only other one. I think he had 77 at this uh, through 127 games. But I mean, he's, he's the second youngest to have 25 home runs, 100 RBIs and 100 runs in a season. The only other person to do that was Ted Williams who did it three times. I mean, the list goes on and on. The guy has just been unbelievable this year. And short of uh, something happening to Mike Trout, uh, he, he's he's probably going to finish second second in uh, the MVP voting, but he's, he's been phenomenal. And I, I don't think there's an, an easier selection for a hero from this series. He's
1: probably the MVP of this segment uh, this season, You know, given the number of times he's been brought up as a hero the one thing that i keep reminding myself about devers is that he's three years younger than michael chavis how insane is that
0: yeah Yeah, that's uh that's something i remember him coming out of 2017 and raking the first three weeks and then kind of going on a cold stretch and then hitting a big own run in the uh division series that was uh that was something
1: yeah, and, you know, he's always been clutch, you know, since he's been up the last two seasons, basically. And his postseason numbers are really good, albeit a short sample size. So that that just, you know, goes to show you how clutch he's been. And this year he's really filled in, you know, all of the other gaps as far as performance and consistency and just coming through in big moments. He just... Uh, you know, a really complete player, and you know, we spoke last you know episode that he he probably should be the top priority this off season, a higher priority than uh, even Mookie Betts would be, and I'd love to see them get creative and you know lock him up to at least somewhere in the six to eight year vicinity with some some you know high priced option years to come after that to you know further incentivize him signing early so um, hopefully the Red Sox see it see it that way um, we'll get into some more stuff later where you know they didn't really see it my way and you know didn't make the best decisions so we'll see uh, any any additional thoughts uh, Sam before uh, we move on? Devers?
0: um well the home run he hit today was apparently 482 feet wow it was an inside fastball that he literally just turned and burned on it was very weird because it looked it looked at the beginning like it was gonna go way foul because he kind of stood there and kind of was looking down the line like eh, is it gonna go foul but it just kept straight and it was a bomb
1: I didn't realize it was that far. I knew he kind of pulled it down that right field line, but that uh, that has to be one of the longest home runs this year, if not the longest.
0: Yeah, it was – I remember back – I think it was back in May, they measured a Rowdy Tolez home run at, like, 505 feet, oh. but, like, nobody believed it because it went, like, five rows back in right field. And it was like later corrected to like 430 feet, so <laughs> it didn't really look that far.
1: I remember that. Didn't it bounce off the facade where the retired numbers are or something? I thought I could be wrong, but I do it remember supposed, it
0: being... I think close to doing that, or it might have done it. Yeah, it was.
1: Yeah, I I remember O'Brien and I think Eckersley was on for that game, and they're like, "Well, geez, the red seat is just about that far," <laughs> and yeah. uh, and then later they're like, "Yeah, it was it was much less." But Devers all year long has uh, been literally number one in MLB with highest average exit velocity on all of his hits, or I should say, hard hit contact rather. He's number one for hard hit contact. Excuse me. And uh, I, I think he was averaging around 95, 96 miles an hour. So <laughs> the dude just mangles the, the baseball. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so who, who do you have,
0: Sam? Who's your hero for the series? My hero is Eduardo Rodriguez. He gave a great start uh, last night. Seven and third shutout innings. Only allowed four hits, two walks, and four. Sh- only struck out four. But it's kind of been... A sneakily very good year for Rodriguez. He's kept the Red Sox in basically every game he's pitched. He's fourteen and five with a four one ERA. The ERA is a little high, but he's he's got one hundred and fifty three and two thirds innings, which is very very impressive. he's only twenty six, and he's already getting up to that workload. And you know, it seems like o, O'Brien and Eckersley always talk about he gets all this run support. I mean. Porcello gets basically the same amount of runs support, but he gives up six runs a start, and it's just not as pretty.
1: Yeah, and Erod, you know, kind of seemed to be slipping his last couple of starts uh, coming into this one, and I was thinking, well, geez, the weight of the team is probably getting heavy, and you know, with all the misfortunes and the and the other injuries, it's you know, it's probably not too difficult to lose focus here especially when we're not really in it though not mathematically out of it either and uh then he shows up uh this series and what was he seven seven and a third something like that and just yes. absolutely lights out and uh nice to see you know he's he's been our ace all year long regardless of injuries and Um, I think he's got two years left on his deal uh, after this year, so we still have him for the foreseeable future. And he's already, I I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but his previous uh, season high was 137 innings uh, was the most he had pitched, and he's exceeded that now. I think he's in the 150s, so he could be on pace for 200 innings this year.
0: Yeah, he's... Going to be looks like the workhorse of the staff. Purcell is just not pitching well enough to get deep into games. Sale is, you know, sale, (laughs) and everything else has been just kind of a kind of a wreck.
1: Absolutely, Matt. What are your thoughts on Erod's start?
2: I mean he looked uh he looked like he was he was kind of going at batters a little bit more than than the previous timeout where he was still he, he saw a little bit of the nibbling um, that that's a good thing anytime he goes deep in a game which has been a lot more consistent this year uh, it, it bodes well for the Red Sox um, you know seven and a third I think he threw 109 pitches which is uh, somewhat somewhat uh, efficient but you know he uh he definitely pitched well it's what they needed uh they're going to need him to step up even bigger since uh looks like the only two guys to have in their rotation right now that they can count on are he and porcello and porcello is not exactly been uh, consistent at all this year he's been he's been pretty awful to put it mildly so um any minor hopes that the red sox have of making the playoffs are, are going to kind of hinge on him, you know, really stepping up huge. Uh, I think those chances are slim to none, but still, he's going to have to be the ace or, uh, down the down the stretch.
1: And it's hard to, uh, I mean, we've just won what six out of seven, something like that, and um, so it's crazy to think that we're, you know, we're talking this badly about the team, but you know, it's just been a weird season and. Um you know i I don't even know what to say at this point. It's just been the most uncomfortable roller coaster ride I've ever been on you know we we either usually suck badly, you know and finish and last like we did in twenty twelve, fourteen and fifteen, or you know we win the division easily and It's just this is one of those in between years that we never really have. So, Um, and the the rhetoric from Cora is that we're not out of it. Like none of them are playing that way. Like you see the the you know the lineup is is energized and they're still producing big time. And and uh, you know the bullpen has only given up four earned runs in in the last thirty innings and been pretty solid. The Cashner thing is working out and, um, everybody else has just been really solid and, and Workman, despite not really having the makeup of a closer has been holding it down pretty good. So, um, so I, uh, maybe, maybe if Porcello, like you said, does step up, then <laughs> who knows? We might do something silly here and, and, you know, at least make a
2: run at it. I don't know unfortunately i mean even with this really hot stretch that they're going through right now they haven't even picked up any games i don't believe um i think they're still there's still six and a half back of tampa bay so um you know while while you'd like to be optimistic that things are going to get better it's it's real tough when you know you're playing this hot and, and you're not gaining any ground
1: yeah and that's the stubborn thing you know cleveland uh took the lead momentarily from the twins and now they're two and a half back and kind of matching the twins step for step. But, you know, they both just keep winning and Oakland is uh, probably not going anywhere. Neither is Tampa. So, um, yeah, it's, everybody's playing well at the right time and it's hard to, to leapfrog, uh, teams when, when that happens. Uh, my hero for the series which I'm a big fan of, because uh, I consider myself to be kind of at the forefront of the trade mookie brigade this uh, this off season. He was five for eleven with five runs scored, hit a home run, a towering shot uh, into the monster seats on um in game one. Uh, drove in two, but really, you know, his fingerprints were all over the series, uh, walked a couple of times as well. So that's exactly what I want to see, you know, out of Mookie. I, I just want to, I want to see kind of that 2018 MVP look, you know, for the remaining six weeks here and hopefully elevate his trade value. Uh, because if, if we don't, you know, trade him, then, He's not re-signing, as we've covered ad nauseum here. And his arbitration price tag going into the final year of his deal next year, probably going to be around $30 million. So um, I'd kind of like to get that off the books. And there's, you know, tons of dynamics in play here. We'll get to the sale part of it. And, you know, Price is kind of, you know, having his worst red Sox uh year yet in in his seven-year deal so but uh getting back to it I mean Mookie you know is is looking like you know a top three or four player in the league right now after kind of a slow start to the season so um Sam any any thoughts on Mookie?
0: Yeah, it's it's been it's been a wild ride this year for Mookie because he started off, you know, hitting like 26270. The only really saving grace was that he was walking a lot and he's still walking a lot, but now he's finally getting that average up. It's up to 285. Um he's slugging 504, which is right around his career average, not close to what he was doing last year, which was a uh, 640 slugging. But I think that he the big thing is that, O'Brien can't stop talking about the fact that he's already got 115 runs scored. I feel like he shoves that down our throat every single chance he gets.
1: Yeah. It's,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I hate O'Brien, by the way. Um, yeah, no, I t- <clears throat> Yeah, I just saw that Nesson, their broadcast booth, compared to the other 30, or other 29, rather is uh, ranked 20th. Any guesses as to who's number one?
0: Ooh. Who would be number one? That's a great question. I would... mm, I would like. I always like the Brewers and the Padres. Padres because they got Orsillo. It it is the
1: Padres. Don Orsillo is the number one. Broadcaster. I don't know who, you know, conducted that survey or analysis or whatever, but it was retweeted by one of the Red Sox writers. And, and yeah, and, you know, as this team kind of slips out of contention, and I'll admit, I'm not quite as locked into the Red Sox specifically as I am, you know, maybe the league as a whole right now, but, um, but I just, I hate O'Brien, and he does get fixated on things, and he has his quirks, and he's always bitching about, you know, pace of play and how long that they're there. And I'm like, dude, I mean, you sound like you hate your job, <laughs> you know. and <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> so I didn't mean to turn that into the O'Brien thing. But uh, Matt, any any thoughts on Mookie or O'Brien since we uh, opened up that can of worms? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't, you know, while I like Dorcillo a lot better than O'Brien, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of indifferent on O'Brien. As far as Wookiee Betts goes, though, I mean, yeah, it is good that he's he's starting to kind of pick it up a little bit at the plate. To your point, um, you know, it it does add to trade value if they do decide to do that. Yeah. I mean, he's going to fall short, obviously, of, well, it looks like it, unless he goes on a, an incredible run, but he's going to fall short on home runs and RBIs and even stolen bases. Um, his average has dipped quite a bit, but it's, you know, at least he's being a little bit more productive than he was in the beginning of the year. Uh, and to your point, you know, that that definitely benefits if, if they're looking to shop him, um, you know, if they're looking to re-sign him and, and get a steal, which I don't think he'll re-sign, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he fell off those incredible numbers from last year. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing with him.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the RBIs. He only had 83 last year, you know. So a lot of that was, you know, he did hit, I think it was 32 home runs and had o- over 100 uh, runs scored. It might have been in the one hundred and fifty-one hundred and twenty 120 area. So I mean he's one twenty nine. Oh, 129. okay. And so he basically, you know, the fact that he's a five tool player just kinda you know, kinda balanced him out to kinda win that award. I mean he can he can help you I mean his his best postseason moment was actually a defensive play uh, in the Astro series when Tony Kemp tried to leg out a double and he threw a laser beam into second base to get him, and so you know he can he can beat you defensively. He can steal bases, and you know so he really is a complete player. Doesn't have the consistency of, of a Trout type guy to necessarily win the MVP every year, but um, but yeah, and and he's showing a lot of that lately, and and you are seeing a little bit more power, so. Um, like I said, as long as it elevates the uh, trade value, uh, so getting into zeros now. The the players that did not impress us this series. Uh, Matt, go ahead.
2: Who you have? I'm gonna go with Nate Evaldi again. Um, you know he he they needed about 60 pitches out of him. They were trying to get him to start. They're trying to ease him back into the rotation. Um, and he went two innings through 43 pitches, um, had three walks, two wild pitches, three hits, five earned runs, and he only struck out one. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, they paid, they, they ex- gave him a, a contract extension, paid him uh, quite a bit of money to come in and they don't seem to have a home for him. He's been all over, um, uh, you know, started out as in the rotation. Then he was going to be their closer, except for he couldn't do, he couldn't handle the high leverage uh, situations. He did poorly there, and they just kind of had him as uh, just wherever uh, in in relief. Um, and now they're putting him back in the rotation. Uh, currently, he's got one win, one quality start, and a 6.69 ERA. Um, it's just for as much as they paid, you know, I get it. He's, he's had some injuries, but he's paying zero dividends. Um, and, and maybe, you know, it looked like as far as velocity, uh, it, it was definitely there in today's game, but he just had zero control. He couldn't control anything. And, uh, that may have something to do with the fact that he was, he was used twice earlier this week as a high leverage, uh, reliever, but, Honestly, he still got to step up. I mean, they were only asking him to go a few innings here, and and he just he couldn't even get that form. So, it's been an absolute disaster this first year of his contract that they signed. Um, not a big fan of it so far.
1: Sam, what are your thoughts on Nathan avaldi
0: I think moving him to the closer right when he came off the IL was not was not a great idea. It kind of seemed to just destroy his confidence because I think the first time he came in was against the Rays and he just I think we were winning that game. It was Sunday night baseball. I think we were winning that game like seven nothing and then done up like two or three runs right when he came in and it was not just not a great look. I mean I think we all have the perception of like, yeah, he's got the stuff to be a closer. Well I I just don't think it's a stuff thing. I think it takes an actual like certain type of person to become a closer. I think you gotta be able to just come in there and dominate and not care about, you know, what the situation is, just get get the job done, and, you know, know that your job is to get three or four outs.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, he might not necessarily need to be a closer, but I just, I don't think he's a starting pitcher. I mean, his numbers, his career numbers are pretty mediocre here. You know, he's a... He's got a four twenty-two uh, career earned run average. I'm looking at his innings pitched here, and only twice in his career has he pitched 150 or more innings, and that was 2014 and 2015. So it's been a little while since then, and he just doesn't have the durability to to pitch, you know, a high workload year in and year out. And he's a fastball cutter guy. I mean, those are his pitches. He only has two. And it's almost impossible to be an effective starting pitcher with with only two pitches. I mean, Erod, it it took him forever to break out because his changeup wasn't always great. And this year, it's been a little bit better. And Throwing a good slider, good fastball, and I just there's nothing about Nathan Avaldi that that tells me he's going to be a viable starting pitcher. And then he goes in there today against the you know basically the worst team in the league, next to maybe the Marlins. Who I think have had a decent second half, uh, if if I remember right, and. You know, and Avaldi laid an egg. You know, and I just—I've been hammering away on it since he went on the DL uh, last April, and he's just not showing me anything right now. And how long do you parlay three good postseason starts into trying to recreate that? You know, over the remaining three years of the deal, because he's not that guy, and I, I'm just wondering how long is it going to take the Red Sox to to figure that out?
0: Well, the, I think the problem is you can't. I don't think it's a great look to just sign him and, you know, like oh, we don't have a use for him now. I think maybe maybe it's an idea like, um, you know. We're missing a fifth starter, and it's one of those days where it's got to be either Hector or Brian Johnson. You know, he gives you three innings out of the bullpen, kind of almost like the guy after the opener. He just gives you three or four innings, then you move on to the bullpen. It's it's, it's just a thought, but yeah, I agree. It's not He hasn't really seemed to do anything in any role he's been in this year.
1: Yeah, just to be clear, I, I didn't... I wasn't. I didn't do a very good job with uh, specifying. I, I when I say he's not a starting pitcher, I'm I'm talking more about next year at this point. With Price and Sale on the DL, and and you know Porcello is scuffled, and Kashner didn't work out as a starter. You know, I I'm not blaming the Red Sox necessarily for starting him at this point because the options are so limited, but. Going forward, you know, whether it's whether he's just utilized like a like a Matt Barnes or a Brandon Workman, I just feel like that's the that's the role for him, with maybe some occasional long relief type situations. Maybe if, you know, Porcello or Erod's count gets high, you know, by the fifth inning, maybe he comes in to finish the fifth and Gets you through the 6th and 7th inning uh, You know I, I could see him utilize that way but When he pitches like he he Did today where he just gets tattooed and, and he only has two pitches And he's laboring Out there pretty Hard I just think That's just begging for another Extended stay On the disabled list Matt any thoughts
2: Yeah you know I think that some of the reason that they're really pushing for the, the um, you know, the rotation too is I think they're looking at um, I think they're looking at uh, what what happened down the stretch last year. You know, they they um, basically you know, Brian Bannister worked with him. He tweaked it a little bit, and and down the stretch he was pretty solid, and that that translated into uh, solid pitching in the in the postseason. And I think that they're kind of, they're looking at that and and they're just holding on to the hope that they can, they can find something there again, make that minor tweak and he'll be back to what he was down the stretch. I don't know. I I mean, the guy's got a filthy cutter. Uh, He throws it as hard as anybody. He's got a, he's got a triple digits fastball. He's got a little bit of a curve. It's, it's not great, but it's, you know, just something to kind of keep people off balance. I just—he's—he's he's always had an issue going, you know, more than two times through the lineup. I just don't know. I don't, I don't know where you put him in. I mean, you've spent so much money on this guy at this point. Yeah, did did you pay almost seventy million dollars for the guy to be a six inning, you know, bullpen guy? That's a hell of a lot of money. That's I think they're going to have to continue to try to put him into the uh, put him into the rotation. Otherwise, there's. They're going to get backlash from the fans. And I don't think they're going to have many options going into the next year if Sal is done for the year like a lot of people believe.
1: Yeah, and I think they just have to face the fact that, it, you know, it wasn't a good value signing, you know, $17 million a year for four years. That's a lot, you know. And the comp I like to give that I've done at least a couple of times recently is – the Astros gave Wade Miley a one-year deal for four and a half million, and he his ERA is below three right now. You know that, and this year that Miley's having far and away blows Nathan Eovaldi's best year out of the water. So that's good value, and I, I think the Red Sox have to recognize. Okay, well, we overpaid for Avaldi, and yeah, maybe, you know, maybe it's kind of goofy to to use him, <laughs> you know, as a middle reliever. But I, I don't know. I just I just think they're they're looking for the October guy, and they're not going to find him. You know, and avoldi pitched very well two out of those three teams were launch angle teams where he was able to attack the top of the strike zone and basically take the launch angle away from them and this year you know a lot of teams are laying off those those high pitches you know so it's it's a mess it's a mess um uh sam go ahead uh who's who's your zero
0: My zero is going to be Chris Owings. Um, We picked him up right after the the, uh, Royals released him in June, and he kind of disappointed. He went one for seven with five strikeouts this series. And I was talking with my friend, and he remembers a time when he was part of what might have been the best young infield that was coming up in 2016 when he was with the Diamondbacks. It was him, Brandon Drury, Jake Lamb, and Paul Goldschmidt back when Goldschmidt was up in the MVP consideration. Lamb was hitting 30 home runs, and Drury and, um, and Owens were playing great defense up the middle. And his career has been, you know, he's played his whole career with Arizona up till this year. Uh, he hasn't really been that good at, at hitting. He's hit 242 for his career, but he's always been, you know, strong defensively. But this year, across two teams and over 147 at bats, he's got a 129 batting average, which, you know, it's not not great. Um, I don't know. I just feel like he he is a guy that fills a need that we really don't have. I feel like Marco Hernandez could probably do a better job of filling in a second baseball Chavis' on the I.L. than, than Chris Owings.
1: Well, that's an excellent point. I mean, I, I'd kind of like to see more Marco at this point, and he, he's basically a rookie, you know, I, or technically a second year guy. I don't know how much service time he had before the uh, shoulder injuries, but um, but yeah, and this is a good situation for Owings because. If he could come through and and really shine, you know, it makes it easier to move away from Moreland. I assume we're going to move away from Pierce anyway. Um, So, a solid, super utility guy. He's almost as versatile, uh, you know, defensively as Brock Holt is, so been disappointing so far. And, you know, he was very good with the Diamondbacks in 2017. I think he took a fastball off the wrist, and and that ended his season. And he's just never really gotten it together since then. And he still has about six weeks left to try to get something going with the Red Sox. But five strikeouts, that's – you can't have that.
0: No, no, you can't. Not, not when it's five of your six
1: outs. Absolutely. Matt, any thoughts on Chris Owings?
2: Yeah, I mean, it kind of speaks to uh, the lack of depth on, on this team right now. I mean, granted, you have some guys down, but it, it's it doesn't seem like any of Dombrowski's teams historically have had the depth that they need. It seems like they're, they're usually about three or four guys who are, you know, solid major league talent, they're they're just short, probably two or three guys. Um, And that shows up. And and when you have injuries, then, you know, it it compounds. So that's kind of the situation here. Um, I agree. I think Marco Hernandez deserves a little bit more time out there. Uh, He's proven himself this year. He's been pretty clutch. You want to see what you've got. Um, chris owings i know he was tearing it up in the minors at one point i think he had like six or seven straight games with home runs but i think that was more of a fluke um, than anything but i, I mean I, I get why they brought him up um i just don't think it's it's necessarily what you want to turn to when you're trying to make a push for the playoffs still uh, and you're in an important stretch run here uh, and, and and you're relying heavily on chris owings that's that's not a good sign for a, a team with any kind of playoff aspirations
1: not at all uh so i don't really have a, an official zero uh, i always go i always pick last you know when we do these and um the bullpen as i mentioned earlier has been very solid only given up four uh earned runs in the last 30 innings or so they've been very impressive And uh, Travis Lakins, uh, rookie, got called up and pitched a couple scoreless innings today. And the Kashner thing is working out very well in the bullpen so far. Small sample size, though. Um, So I'm not really going to pick on anyone here. I mean, we covered Evoldi. The other two starting pitchers were pretty good. And uh, no one was really glaringly bad uh, outside of Owings in the lineup, other than maybe Leon. I, I didn't check his uh, line, but you know we 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 know we're not getting anything there. So
0: yeah, I never really expect anything out of Sandy Leon.
1: Yeah, exactly. If he's solid defensively and can get Sale and Porcello through the game, you know, with minimal damage, then I'm I'm usually happy with that. But uh but anyway, uh speaking of Chris Sale, kind of out of nowhere goes uh, on the DL with elbow uh inflammation which is the ominous primary symptom for a possible Tommy John uh surgery and some of the quotes are not uh encouraging. Uh, Dave Dombrowski said that um, they want to give Chris Sale a little bit of time to uh, be by himself for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, Alex Cora said that the organization uh, gives him their full support. So with that kind of rhetoric, that's, that's Tommy John, basically. That's something was pretty... Obvious, and and the MRIs is is the read that I get on that. Uh, Would you guys agree?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's not looking that great. I got, I think it was Nightingale who tweeted it out and basically was saying it's just not looking great. I, which is very bad sign. Starting this, you know, huge mega deal that he got in the off season on top of the fact that he's, you know, not really winning ballgames.
1: Yeah, worst season of his career by far, even though he's close to the top of the list on strikeouts. Um, Matt, what what were your immediate thoughts when you uh, started getting the news? I mean,
2: you never won to- a hear the word second opinion or dr james andrews (laughs) and you got both of those typically those things uh you know that that translates to to tommy john surgery uh i'm i'm hoping that that's not the case i know they said he didn't feel it tuesday um he he noticed it thursday or friday but he um you know they said that the MRI shows that the inflammation was as uh, as a result of Tuesday's game, which seems a little weird. Um, you know, they're trying to pitch it as it might not be as severe as they think. Um, I know Cora said that he just didn't speak to the media because he wants to be straight up and have the information when he speaks to them and that uh, not speaking to them didn't have a direct correlation to the severity of the injury. Um, I don't know. They're all trying to spin it. It's just, I don't know. I I don't think it's. I don't think it's, uh, it's going to be a, a good situation. And If it is, in fact, Tommy John surgery, then he's gone next year, and you know the Red Sox pitching staff for 2020 is now all of a sudden David Price and uh, Erod, and outside of that. You know, you don't know. Is Valdi going to be the guy out of necessity? You know, that takes a third. Uh, the third spot might have to be. Um, I, don't, I don't know how they fill the other ones. Porcello is more than likely going to walk. Um, you know, obviously Saddle's out. I can't see them uh, giving Cashner the $10 million vesting option, nor do I really want to see him come back. So basically have to fill out, uh, you know, Fill out potentially uh, two to three positions in your rotation, which is not a good thing coming in, uh, coming into next year.
1: Yeah, and I was a critic the whole time. I, I did not want him to get his contract extension before the season started or even really during the season. This year was his uh, last option year on his initial extension that the White Sox originally gave him. He um, could have served out the year on a on a fifteen million dollar uh, you know option, and and they decided to, for whatever reason, take on the most possible risk and sign him early when there was absolutely zero risk in waiting until after the season. And for the people that have argued with me, uh, they've said things like, you know, if if he won the Cy Young this year, they w- his value would have went way up and they would have had to have overpaid. And I would have been fine with that. Like, that would have been a, a better penalty than the one we're currently looking at, in my opinion. And he's had stamina issues, uh, since 2016, you know, this is the fourth year where he hasn't been, he hasn't been good all of this year, but he, you know, after August 1st, there's typically a drop off and he seemed to be, you know, on, on pace for that. And, um, and then there's his mechanics. They're terrible. his, his delivery is very violent. It's very unnatural and it's probably, you know, it, it's, it could very well lead to, uh, you know, exactly Tommy John surgery. So you look at the initial trade after, let's see, 2016. So 2017 was his first year. He was, he was good that year despite the, the late drop off he was on a very good run through 2018 when he had the shoulder inflammation, and he hasn't really been the same since then. So look at it this way. From mid-2018 until 2021, he just wasn't... the. You got... Very little out of him, really. I know he kind of labored through the the postseason last year, but had a 5-something ERA that month, despite the fact he closed out the World Series. And I'm just... It just doesn't look good, you know? A year and a half after the trade, he started to have issues. Then they signed him, stupidly, earlier than they should have. And we're not going to have him back until... Oh, if we're lucky, 2021, barring no setbacks. Like, how stupid should the front office feel right now?
0: Yeah, it's it's not a great look. I mean, it says something when I think basically for two straight years, it's like, oh, he's a Cy Young frontrunner here late July, and then it's like he either doesn't have any innings because he just took the last two months basically off. Or it's just that he completely falls apart. And yes, it was it was very much a labor through the postseason. It was very, because I, I think he basically just every start was like four and a third or something like that, and he was kind of pitching a good game, but he would always throw so many pitches. And it was it's weird this year because he would have you know three horrible starts in a row where he would tell the media, you know, oh yeah, this is embarrassing. I need to fix this. You know, it's just not. Not not who I want to be and not who this team wants me to be. And then I'll have, like, a start that's, you know, like the Chris Sale of, you know, like seven innings, 13 strikeouts, one run, three hits. And it's like, oh, maybe he's coming back. But no, it's the velocity's been all over the place. You know, it's like 92 in the first four innings. And then for some reason, he wants to throw 98 on the last pitch of the game. It's, It's just been weird.
2: I think the other thing is, I mean, Terry, you would you would question why they would uh, sign him early on before letting this year play out. And uh, John Henry came right out and said that they didn't want to botch this like they did the Lester deal. They just wanted to get it done. So the Lester deal was uh, the driving factor behind them going ahead and doing it early. Um, you know, they said they weren't concerned with the injury. Uh, they felt the shoulder checked out well and they didn't feel like he would be a, a prime candidate for Tommy John surgery because of the re- even though his delivery is very unorthodox, uh, they figured the repeatability of the delivery would be enough to keep him from going there. Well, here's the problem. since he's had that shoulder issue, they keep having to tweak. The mechanics so he hasn't repeated it this year and as a result it may have cost him his elbow uh so you know i i get it um i get why they're a little gun shy over the the lester deal They they royally botched that although all they had to do was throw cash and, and i'll be honest sale sale said he didn't want to leave boston so i think they could have they could have still gotten a hometown discount after this year, even if he pitched well. He wanted to stay in Boston. Um, I think that after they c- couldn't get bets, I think that they wanted to show their commitment still, so they went after Bogarts and Sal. And, you know, kind of knowing that they weren't going to get bets, or, or or feeling that they might not get bets back, and that may comfort Sox fans. But so far, it's it's been kind of a disaster.
1: You know, and. Another thing I wanted to kind of touch on that you kind of reminded me of just there is is when you bring up that he wanted to stay in Boston. I think part of his motive was signing early was basically like an insurance policy because he knows he hasn't had a, a couple of good seasons down the stretch recently. He blew the Cy Young to Kluber in 2017, crapped his pants in the postseason against the Astros went on the DL last year for the shoulder inflammation, which despite the fact there was no surgery associated with it, still the worst injury of his career. And I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall and said, if I don't get my money now, I might never get it. And so I think that's why he was giving you the rhetoric. Oh, I love the Boston area. I've always loved this franchise. My wife's family is from up here. And this is where I want to pitch. And that all sounds nice and lovey-dovey for for Red Sox fans to hear, but I I didn't buy into it. I I knew he wanted to get his money, and and that's what he did. And Now, assume he's having the surgery, which I, I think is a fairly safe assumption. I mean, what is he worth? I mean, what would he have made? you know he would have had to have signed a one year deal in 2021 you know as like a prove it deal show us you're healthy show us that that wacky delivery could still be effective after Tommy John surgery and that would have been his age 32 season that he would have to prove himself then what's he going to get in his age 33 season in year 2022 he wouldn't have got anywhere near the 145 million when all was said and done
0: no no he wouldn't have i mean it's very weird to think that you look at this it's it's kind of like looking at the stats and like yeah this guy seems like he's worth about you know 30 million a year but if you followed him for the past uh, two years you'll see that you know those the streets haven't always been lined with gold. There's been some, you know, dirty parts where it's just, you know, it's not pretty to look at. And it's kind of, you know, maybe it, maybe this will turn gold if I look at it long enough. But it's really, you know, it's it hasn't been, you know, it's everybody trying to diagnose what's wrong with him. Oh, it's this, you know, it's the velocity. He's not throwing as hard. He's not getting it by hitters, or it's, you know, his slider is getting not you know he's leaving a slider up too much it's more just you know he wasn't built to pitch that much i mean he's i think he's 6'6 195 which really just baffles me i don't know how you can be 6'6 and weigh 195 pounds <laughs> like i think i i there, there it's got to be something to do with the fact that his arms are sticks
1: apparently I mean they're lanky and that probably helps him generate leverage and that's gotten it done and you know velocity doesn't necessarily impress me I mean your fastball has to be at least in the low 90s somewhere to be somewhat formidable but you know you can get guys out with a good changeup or a good slider or a good curve you know and um, so as long as he's you know throwing around 93 94 for the most part I'm totally good with that but that delivery I mean it, it just had Tommy John written all over it. it you know an eventual surgery and and here we are you know he's he's going to have it so uh, any more thoughts on the actual contract part of it Matt
2: No, I mean, I was just looking to see if there was any sort of uh, clauses in there that that, uh, may give Boston additional time on this. Not that they necessarily want it uh, if there are any lost seasons or if it gave money back or anything. I don't see where that is the case. Uh, Looks like, you know, he had that third year opt out, which that's probably not going to happen now, uh, more than likely. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's it's tough. At the time, I, I was in favor of the deal because I figured they'd have to give him a, a thorough medical exam, and if he came through that on the other side looking well, um, you know, they had to have done all their their due diligence with it. Now it kind of makes you wonder. Uh, although, again, it, you know, I, I still think he has elite stuff. I I was somebody that I think every podcast I, I look at the. The peripherals and say "Hey, this guy still got it i wasn't worried going into next year now i can say i'm honestly worried um i don't think he's gonna have it next year so um i i also wonder if some of the some of the reasoning behind giving him this big deal is i mean obviously they traded away some some high level prospects and you know, if they only get him for the, the, the few years, people may have been clamoring about that as well. I mean, especially, when, I mean, obviously at the time, Moncada hadn't really broken out. looks like he's kind of breaking out to that potential, and Kopish has become one of the better prospects, even though he had his own Tommy John surgery. So maybe, maybe that played into it. I, I really don't know, but it definitely uh, doesn't look too positive. Uh, I guess we find out more tomorrow.
1: I pointed out in the last episode how the Red Sox haven't drafted a homegrown ace since John Lester in 2002, so this winter, or going into next season, that's 18 years since we've drafted one, and I got to thinking as I was getting my notes together for this show, who are some of the good signings we've had? Where we're like, oh, brilliant signing! That guy was a great starting pitcher. <laughs> I mean, the only fairly recent ones I can come up with, and I don't know if one of them's Porcello, so I I don't know if he meets the criteria of that anyway. Despite his one Cy Young season, the other one is John Lackey. <laughs> Like, we don't even really have a, a great track record of, of signings. And David, David Price is, is also, but I think the jury's still out on on that contract as well. I mean, you go into last postseason, the, the offense and the bullpen basically carried him into Game 5 of the ALCS against the Astros, and then he, he pitched a very good game, and then had two uh, great starts in the in the World Series, but uh, you know we walked a tightrope to, to get him to that point and um, you, you know not so great before that, you know in a Red Sox uniform hasn't been great this year so I just it just seems like this is an organization that just doesn't understand pitching.
0: Yeah, the last guy I can remember, honestly, and this was, you know, pretty, not that recent, was Schilling when we signed we signed him to that deal after we traded for him. It was just, it was the weird deal that had all these weird clauses. like, all right, if I'm going to win, if we win the World Series, I'll get, you know, extra money. And it was kind of, you know, what do we have to lose? Coming off those great years in Arizona, and they didn't want to pay him, so... You know, they they found a home for him in Boston. We signed him to the extension, and we got his last good years, and he helped us win two World Series.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point because he he did kind of carry the first World Series into 2007, and, you know, so you had him for the first two. And then Lester also pitched that postseason and wasn't really – you know, a, a you know a top of the rotation guy at that point because he was so young. But Lester was part of that, you know, rotation, and then kind of you know bridged it to to 2013 because he was the you know top of the rotation starter throughout that playoff run, and you know, so you had two guys bridging a couple of those World Series, and then. You had Beckett, who came to Boston via a trade, probably the next best trade other than Chris Sale, and and maybe at this point you can even make the case that that might have been a better trade because I I think I think uh, Beckett was the ALCS MVP against the uh, Indians in 07. So, and then you know, 2018 is probably one of the strangest. World Series you can come up with in recent memory in terms of how the roster was constructed because we didn't have a bullpen and we were systematically using starters in the bullpen you know late in the games and and price was a raging head case and sale wasn't even healthy anyway but it, all the stars aligned and, and they got it done but uh, I just You look at some of these rotations, you know, Cleveland is mostly kind of a homegrown rotation. Very good. Um, The Astros have kind of acquired them, you know, Verlander, Cole. But they've gotten the best value. Like, they've identified viable top-of-the-rotation guys that could actually perform. And then, you know, with Verlander got a two-year extension out of him, which actually kicks in after this season. And the Dodgers have done a good job with their rotation, very complete rotation. The Nationals have had very good rotations that have just underperformed, but the Red Sox just haven't really had rotations similar to those other teams. And when we try to figure out where the pieces fit for next year, we got Price – well, we don't have Porcello yet – uh, we got Price and Erod and, and Evaldi, I guess, reluctantly. I, I have to slot him in as a starter. So I don't know. I mean, what do you do? I mean, is Tanner Houck going to gonna come up and be lights out out of the gates? And uh, could they make a play for Garrett Cole at this point? Um I it's just it's really tough. It it's tough to be an optimist with our rotation going forward, and our bullpen is going to be far from settled as
0: well. Yeah, I don't really. I think there's some 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 trade has to happen. Whether it has whether it's Mookie, to where we're going to get some kind of pitching. Whether it's in the pipeline down the farm or you know major league great right talent, I don't think we are going to get Cole. I don't think he's going to look at Boston and say, "Yeah, that's a place where I want to go." You know, a guy gives up a lot of home runs like Verlander, and I don't think he looks at the pinball box of Fenway Park and gets a, gets aroused by the thought of pitching here. But you never know, I guess. I just feel like we need to, you know, we see how maybe this year finishes and if it finishes on the down note, I feel like, you know, Mookie might be, you know, we might want to get the most that we can get out of him, which, you know, could be as many as three or four, you know, top prospects as well as a major leaguer and just see, you know, if we can finesse some kind of pitching talent from that.
2: Matt? I uh, I don't disagree with that. I, I was going to say I think that this pushes the Mookie, you know, trade Mookie into overdrive uh, just because they have so many missing pieces on that rotation and bullpen. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jackie Bradley Jr. potentially traded as well. Um, I don't know how much you can get for him, but if you have somebody who values him, you know, for his defense and feels like there's something that they can do with that swing, just to solidify it. Maybe you get a back end of the rotation type guy for him. Um, I think at this point, the Red Sox really view Hauk and, and Darwin's and Hernandez more as relief arms and, and have more of the makeup to be relievers, which they, I mean, again, Hernandez has looked great for the most part in relief and, and Houck has done pretty well in triple A and relief. So, you know, could they convert those guys? Yeah, potentially. Um, but there's no guarantee that they're they're going to be extremely successful there. Um, there's really nothing nothing on the farm to really draw on and say, yeah, hey, this guy is he could be out next year. Um, there's not a lot of big name free agents out there. I agree. Cole Garrett Cole isn't going to look at the Red Sox. He's looking at the Yankees, and then he's looking to move back to the West Coast. So. Could be Dodgers uh, if they—I don't even know that they need any more help in their rotation. But uh, Anaheim, um, you know, the Padres, somebody out west like that. Uh, but my guess would be he'll go to the Yankees. I think they're going to throw down the most money for him. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of optimism. There's there's not a lot of a lot of plugs for these holes uh, that that seem like natural fits outside of. Of maybe trading, but they can't even trade for other guys. You know, they'd have to trade away Mookie to get maybe potential prospects and then turn and flip those for maybe guys that are ready now. If you feel your window is now, uh, they're just, I, I think they're kind of backed into a corner, and a lot of other GMs are going to recognize that, and, and it could spell disaster for the Red Sox.
1: I think with. I I don't think the Yankees are going to be in on Cole simply because they're already above the luxury tax and they're going to prioritize guys that are within their own organization already. You know, Cole is going to command at least a Chris sale type contract, 150 million. If, if there's a bidding war, It, it could approach 200. Um, he is the strikeout leader right now. So I don't, I'm not too worried about the Yankees as far as that goes. I, I think the Braves could they're pretty well suited to uh make a signing like that. Um you mentioned some West Coast teams. It's 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 really hard. I maybe the Padres, I guess, would be the more obvious fit on the West Coast and that's kinda the the sexy team right now anyway, with all the young prospects and the the farm system and and whatnot. So you know, those are a couple of uh, potential landing spots for him. And I think if the Red Sox are going to get Garrett Cole, they're simply just going to have to overpay and, and blow everyone else out of the water and win the bidding war. And I'm not sure if I would even hate that at this point if Mookie gets traded, you know, because that's $20 million off the books, you know, based on his, you know, pay pay rate this season. And Porcello's $20 million comes off. Um Pablo Sandoval's twenty million comes off, so that's a savings of sixty right there. And um, you know, you can you can peddle Bradley and, and save a little bit of money that way. He's probably going to get about ten million next year. But with the whole trade Mookie thing, it's going to have to be a three-team trade uh, almost certainly because he's only got one year left. So a team that's going to trade for him is a team that's going for it. So it doesn't it doesn't make sense for them to trade a number one or a number two. And I know the Indians kind of got away with trading Bauer, and, and they got a ton of depth. So maybe, maybe they're the one anomaly. But I think with Mookie, it would have to be a three-team trade. And here's just a hypothetical, and I'm sure this isn't going to remotely happen, but the mechanics of it will be... What happens for whatever teams end up being involved, but say, say the Atlanta Braves want Mookie. So we'll send, we'll send Mookie to uh, Atlanta. Atlanta could then send prospects to the Cincinnati Reds. And then the Reds could send us Trevor Bauer, and then we'll probably get at least one or two mid-level prospects from one of the two teams that's kind of how it'll work. You know, uh, you know, a team will get a top of the rotation guy from a team that's not really expected to contend. And, and that team will in effect get the prospects from the team that we traded Mookie to. So that's kind of how I envisioned that, you know, and, but we'll see. I mean, it's tough and you know, it's going to take a creative general manager and I'm fairly convinced at this point that Don Browski will not be the guy making those decisions. I I think the Red Sox will move on from him and hopefully we'll get, we'll get a young GM in here that knows how to wheel and deal that identifies value a lot better than, uh, you know, the current Red Sox executives and, and, um, Maybe they'll surprise us, and if you, I keep going back to 2013, but our expectations weren't super high that season. I mean, winning the division wasn't a given for for many people, and we did win the division, and then we won the World Series. So I'm just kind of hoping that will do better than we expect where the expectations weren't high and the pressure was low. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. And you got to think, hopefully price has a better year. If Porcello does come back, I mean, I think, I think Porcello coming back is a little bit more viable than it was a few days ago, you know, just out of necessity. And, and maybe, maybe he has a better year, especially where it's a, a, an even numbered year. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I'm just spitballing.
0: Yeah, next I think I think it's time to turn the attention to next year. I think six and a half out, we know we've won a fair share of games in the fair fair number of games in the last week and we haven't budged because Rays are playing Tigers who just blew it all again today. And, you know, we're behind, We're still behind two teams. We're still behind uh, the Rays, and we're behind the Athletics, in, in addition to the Indians. I don't see the postseason as that viable. I don't know how we would get through the wild card game if we made it there, because Sale's not going to be there. He's the one, you know, lightning in a bottle guy yeah, that might be able to win us that one game, and I I think the attention now turns to either this offseason if we're planning to do something big or next season.
1: I think that's the best way to look at it. You know, we mentioned Owings and um, getting Marco Hernandez some better looks. I I think they're going to be a lot wiser to spend the next six weeks kind of – answering those questions, you know, in regards to next year. And, you know, you mentioned the Tigers getting blown out by the Rays. I think these bad teams have kind of packed it in. So, uh, you know, maybe different from four or five years ago when these bad teams are still at least putting some effort in, maybe they're not. And that's going to make it that much harder to leapfrog, you know, two of the three teams that are in front of us. Uh, You know, so uh, hopefully they just they they spend the next week, six weeks assessing, you know, what we do have. And I'd love to see Tanner Houck uh, get a call up uh, in the month of September just to kind of, you know, test him against some of these uh, big league teams. Matt, any final thoughts before we hit the uh, the Phillies preview and then wrap?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to bring up. Uh, I don't know if you caught that David Price did throw a bullpen session on Saturday. Uh, he had received a cortisone shot last week. They're planning uh, on having him um, having him throw another bullpen session on Tuesday. Uh, the one on Saturday, he only threw uh, fastballs and changeups. Um, um, but they feel like he might not require a rehab assignment or simulated games, and he could return as soon as the 25th. So it gives him a little bit. Uh, if the if cyst was really the issue behind his poor performance, like he said, you know, maybe it gives him another arm that can do something down the stretch. So, but other than that, uh, I say we get into previewing the the next uh, the two game series here with Philly.
1: Yeah, so we got the day off tomorrow, and then on Tuesday a seven ten start. Actually, they're both seven ten starts, so uh, us working people can uh, can watch those. Um, all right, so we got a TBD on Tuesday against Aaron Noah. Have you guys seen who who that could be yet, or any talk of who it could be?
0: Usually, when it says TBD, I just assume that it's going to be some something that they just patch together and just like, yeah, we'll throw up these this pitcher, and if he doesn't work, we'll just throw out him.
1: Yeah, it could I, be an opener. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and Matt, you haven't heard anything?
2: No, I don't even think Boston didn't even know who they were going to go with. Uh, last I knew, everything I had read, they they were still uncertain as to what they were going to do on Tuesday. My guess is they probably throw out Brian Johnson, which is something to get excited about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, we're going to be facing Aaron Ola, who is the ace of the Philly staff. Has kind of struggled this year, maybe not to the extent that uh, Price and Sale have struggled, but. You know, he's got his ERA down in the uh, mid threes and on paper his 11 and three record looks pretty good. But he did have a bad first couple of months of the season, but uh, seems to be hitting his stride. And, uh, you know, you got to kind of I give the the Phillies the edge in uh, that start, despite our offense, you know, being really robust in the
2: last two series. I don't disagree with that. I, I think they lose the first game. Um, I just think it's going to be too much to ask down the stretch to have this piecemeal rotation slash whatever it is that they're just throwing in there every single day. Uh, I was reading, actually, uh, this kind of goes back into some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, Uh even before this, they were talking about bringing the rover back and, and having the starting staff go into into the relief roles. And they had Porcello listed as a reliever the other day, and they uh, Friday night Sal was listed as a reliever for for them. Um, so I don't know what they're doing. I don't I don't know if they really have a clear plan. I think they're just trying to throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. But I don't see it sticking here. I, I see them getting beat. Um, and it'll probably be a high-scoring affair. Well, yeah, it could be a high-scoring affair. I just don't—I don't know if they have enough pitching to keep them in it.
1: Ah, uh, Sam, yeah. what what are your thoughts on game one?
0: Yeah, game one doesn't really seem like it's stacked our way at all. You know, a guy with a three-five ERA against a TBD—that's usually not a great sign. You know, the combination of. Johnson and what's usually velazquez usually gives up four runs anyway and whatever work they do so I'm not I'm not gonna get over optimistic about that
1: all right so we'll uh, we'll chalk that up as a potential loss I mean I won't rule out the fact that the the lineup could you know do some damage there but you know just common logic would tell us that uh, it's it's gonna be a little tougher to do it in that game. Uh, game two on Wednesday will be Drew Smiley, who they picked up off the scrap heap about a month or so ago. Uh, he'll be facing Rick Porcello, who has pitched better as of late. Had that bases clearing double off of Mac. Oh no, that was the Nationals against Max Scherzer. I want to say I wanted to say he had a good uh, at bat against the Phillies recently, but maybe that was the Nationals. So my my bad on that.
0: Um, no, I think I think he did. I I remember last year. I think our pitchers kind of went off in the interleague games because I know Porcello he definitely did have the three run double off Scherzer. But I think because I remember Eck kind of just saying, "Oh, this guy's an athlete because he because he like dove head first in the second on the double." And I think that was in Philly.
1: Okay, I thought I thought that uh, was what might have happened, but um. But yeah, so it, it's kind of fun to see Porcello take at-bats because he is probably one of the more athletic pitchers uh, on the Red Sox staff. So, um, and it's,
2: These games are at, at Boston, though.
1: Oh, my bad. I'm a dumbass. You can tell this is the last segment. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, uh, getting into Smiley, they did pull him off the scrap heap. I had a good couple of uh, starts and I was kind of like, geez, the Red Sox could have done the same thing. And, and, you know, the, the Phillies snagged him, but, um, but he has come down to earth. He's given up five runs, six runs and five runs in his last three starts respectively. And uh, the opponents were the Cubs, Giants and White Sox. So, Kind of three very different staffs there that he struggled against. So um, I'll chalk that as, as a win for the Red Sox. I think even if Porcello does get knocked around a little bit, uh, I, I'm i just going to bank on the, uh, the lineup hitting as well as it has in uh, the bullpen as well. So I'll, I'll put game two in the
2: win column. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Uh, Smiley seems like a pitcher that his repertoire uh, would leave him open to, to really getting smacked around by, by Boston. I could see him getting knocked out in the first and second inning on this one, and Porcello just having to do enough to, to basically hold him in there for five or six innings and then turn it over to the bullpen. So I, I definitely think they, they have a good shot at winning that one.
0: Yeah, I think this is kind of a game that's going to finish final score of 11-6, 11-7, something, you know, pretty high up there. But I, I, I think we'll have more hitting than Philly does, even though Philly's kind
1: of... They've been, they've been hitting pretty well ever since they hired Manuel back. Yeah, and just to touch on that, it's kind of an awkward thing for Kapler to bring the former World Series uh, winning manager in. And uh, nothing... Smells hot seat like that to me, because <laughs> Kapler could be gone at the end of the year by uh, some of the things I've been hearing out of Philly.
0: I always like the I always like Kapler. He seem he seems like a man like an, another one of these you know new look managers that's like forty five or even younger than that. That you know really knows how to speak to the younger guys in the clubhouse. I I I I like those guys. You know, like Woodward for the Rangers. Um, even Core can do can do it to some degree. Um, Kevin Cash. You know, I, I I'm a fan of these younger guys becoming managers. These kind of scrappy role players that you know had a decent career for some all right teams. Finally, getting you know a chance to actually have more of an impact on the game by managing. I think it's really cool.
1: Well, Kapler certainly looks like John Cena out there, you know, with some of those guys and how jacked he is. But but it just hasn't worked out well. And there were reports last year that Carlos Santana took a baseball bat to the flat screen because a lot of the younger players were playing too many video games, which I think was actually Fortnite, you know, because that was... Yeah, all the rage in the uh, clubhouses last season anyway. And um, so, you know, kind of and then they traded him. And I kind of thought when I heard that, I'm like, wow, geez, you know, Santana, you know, showing some leadership and, you know, kind of getting on the cases of those uh, kids. But uh, but he ends up getting traded to I think it was uh, Seattle or something like that. And um and then you know the Phillies had a good start. I actually had them go into the World Series. They were my National League World Series pick, and I, I feel kind of dumb now. You
0: know, I they're not, mine too.
1: Yeah, I thought the Dodgers would finally calm down, but uh, you know, but just they—they're just not going to quit until they win one. Apparently, and and uh, it's fifty-fifty if you ask me. I mean, it, the Astros have a great staff. Mm-hmm very good rotation and um, you know, probably a little bit better bullpen than the Dodgers have. I, I would even say, but, but you know, I don't think the Dodgers want to be the Buffalo bills of the NF of uh, major league baseball. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Any uh, f- final
2: thoughts, uh, Matt on the or, or anything. Uh, no, I don't, that it's one, but do we, uh, is it worth touching on uh, Thursday they're going to resume the uh, the Padres game? Uh, oh, the did, Royals game. Did we want to touch? The, or, or, I'm sorry, the Royals game. Yeah, I apologize. The Royals game. Uh, the, the resuming of that game uh, on Thursday, how, how that plays out? Uh, I mean, we can discuss it real quick if you want. I mean, I think it would
1: be hilarious if the Royals fly into Boston for what ends up being a 10-minute uh, game. Like, do they do they wear their uniforms on the plane for something like this, and just leave their luggage at home, or I? How does this work? I, I don't know.
0: Well, I it's very interesting because from from what I'm reading and hearing, kids eighteen and under are going to get to go there for free, and everybody else gets to go in there for five dollars, and everything every concession is one dollar. So if I were back, you know, in Boston at school. This would be just a perfect opportunity to just get a ticket, like, right behind home plate for five bucks, I think, and just, you know, watch a game for, that. you know, it could last five minutes, as you said. <laughs> it, could, it could just, you know, either we score in the 10th or they score in the 10th and we don't respond. But, yeah, it's very, it, it kind of reminds me of, I think it was 2008, the end of 2008 was... I think the Tigers, or no, the white the White Sox had to play three teams in three cities in three days, and they lost every single one of them. It was it was they first they had to play the White Sox, and they had to resume a game that they had either suspended or postponed the day after, and then they had to play a game one sixty three against the uh, the Twins.
1: Yeah, it's crazy how some of these sequences can happen, but. What do you what do you think matt? What what are you curious about with this scenario?
2: I just want to see if they can put it away quick. Um I feel like you know when when they played them, uh the last time their offense was was lacking a little bit uh devors and and bogarts Primarily were were ice cold for them. Um, and now all of a sudden they're hot again so it would be great if they just came out there, hit a walk-off, and ended it right out of the gate, like first batter, first pitch. I think that would be hilarious. Um, you know, It's it's pretty cool that they're letting people in if free, or either free or I, I think I saw another one. If you're over 18, it's like $5. Um, and if you had your ticket before, you're guaranteed your spot. That's that's cool that they're doing that with all the concessions. Um, you know, so you can get in there early, see everything, buy their $12 beers, everybody wins, maybe they can buy some starting pitching next year, so uh, I'm all for it, and uh, hopefully it goes well for them.
1: You know, I'm surprised, unless they go on the road right after, and maybe they do actually, actually they start a west coast swing after that the Red Sox do, against the Padres, so I guess that's why it wasn't just slotted in before um, just another home game you know, just started at one, and you know, a seven ten start for the regular game, but yeah. So I guess uh, Erod's gonna. They have him as the starter for that game, which I think is technically. Uh, I mean, he's would be technically a reliever, but they're gonna start it in the top of the tenth. I don't know what happens to the at bat that happened um, when the. Game got postponed, but well, I'm sure they'll cover the rules, uh, you know, going into that. But anyway, I, I guess we can wrap. Sam, thanks for coming on. Great job. Uh, well, I'm sure we can probably have you on again at some point. Occasionally, occasionally, uh, one of my guys uh, has to go on the DL for a, a game, uh, for a show, or whatever. Although Matt toughed it out tonight, you know, like a trooper. But good job tonight. Good job Matt as always and uh we'll uh play for that next big contract. <laughs> there you go. Aren't we all? Uh Yeah. So, all right guys, have a good night. Thanks again.
0: Take care.
1: Episode 161 in the books. Two game set against the Phillies and um We'll just uh, pick it up on Wednesday night. Have a good start to your work week as this 2019 summer is winding down. Uh, You know, the football fans are probably anxious and uh, Celtics and Bruins, you know, will follow shortly thereafter. But uh, I'm a baseball guy, so I'll still be locked in across the league as I hope many of you will. But... uh, but enjoy uh, the start to the week, nonetheless, and we will be back on Wednesday night. Take care.
2: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to
0: bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
1: Playing at a line drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives! And then he makes the catch? He did! He got it! There we go. Time to party. Right here. 3-2.
0: Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast.
1: Can you believe it?
2: Here's your host, Terry Cushman.